Good day, guys, and welcome to the Coach Mark Carroll podcast. Today, we continue our glute series. Sorry, I had a couple of days in between. The goal was to knock these out back to back, but then I decided to go to Melbourne to go and see my brother, Glenn, Coach Carroll, who I'm sure many of you guys know. Um, Glenn moved to Melbourne earlier in the year, and yeah, so first time going down there to see Glenn spend some time with him down there which was awesome and yeah so a little bit behind but back on track today now if you haven't listened to the coach Mark Carroll um podcast the previous two glute episodes please go listen um the feedback has been so so good um on the previous two episodes so go check them out and as always guys if you enjoy this episode please share to your social medias um tell your friends family Whatever it is, just get it out there to help me, you know, get my education, my message out there. It always helps more than you know. Now, today's episode, I'm excited about pretty simple. What does a good glute workout need? Okay, so here's the thing, right? On social media, now, through the power of the internet and social media in general, you see so many tips around you know exercise selection how to do a good hip thrust how to do a good rdl and you know people like myself put out a lot of stuff around technique but then how do we put that all together so i get you know people say cool i get that i should do rdls i get that i should squat i should hip thrust and so on and so on and so on but then what do i do because now i understand that there's all these good exercises and then there's also some crappy exercises but which one should i do and today today's podcast episode i wanted to just give a really simple way of thinking about your exercise selection for your training okay and a big part of that is just going off your movement pattern so a movement pattern is things um not so much go hey this train this muscle group because a muscle group can be trained from a variety of movement patterns. So obviously, say if we're talking about a bite, your biceps, your biceps just um, are going to be trained through you flexing your elbow. But the glutes, the glutes are a big muscle and they're a muscle that can be um, trained in a variety of ways. Um, so when we are training the glutes, what we want to do is try and ideally incorporate at least one to two, three, or even four of these movement patterns into your um, workout, or at least your training over the course of the week. So there's four key movement patterns, what I want you to be adding to your training. If you do these four movement patterns, you're going to be well on your way to building bigger, better glutes. Now, these four movement patterns, and obviously, guys, on a podcast, I hope I'm going to do the best I can for a lot of you to understand it because visually, visually, it's always good to learn. And, you know, I've done a lot of posts on this and I've got blogs on my website on this, but I'll try to explain these and use exercises so you understand what movement patterns I'm talking about. So you get a good mental picture of it. But the main thing is what I really want you to understand is when, when we're trying to build glutes and choose the right exercises, we just want to be kind of thinking about how we can tick the boxes. So, all right, what does this do? What does that do? And what we don't want to be doing is, say, three glute exercises, which train the glutes the exact same way, okay? So muscles can be trained quite differently. You can have 
a muscle be trained harder in certain positions. So for example, when we do a hip hinge, so a hip hinge is think something like a back extension or an RDL. When we're breaking out our hip, we flex over, we lower our torso to the floor, and then we raise our torso back up. And that is basically when we're extending our hips or we're, we're performing hip extension. Now, an RDL and a back extension, for example, for a 45 degree back extension look very similar. If you're looking at it, you know, you're just folding, basically being folded in half and then extending back up. But an RDL is going to be harder at the bottom when you're stretching the glutes, whereas a 45 degree back extension is going to be harder at the top when you're contracting or shortening the glutes. So even though they're training the same movement pattern, the hip hinge, they're actually targeting the glutes harder at different ends of the range of motion. Now, how much does this matter? Probably not too much for a lot of people out there, but it's just important to understand when you're putting your workouts together. So let's go over the four key movement patterns, which I want you to be incorporating into your glute training over the course of the week. Okay. So number one, as I said, hip hinge. So when we're hip, hip hinging, this is that we're extending our hip. So think RDLs, a good morning, um, a back extension, a reverse hyper extension, um, a 90 degrees, so a horizontal back extension. So we've got 45 and 90 degrees. So just think, you know, bending, breaking at the hip, flexing your t- down and then extending back up. So that's our hip hinges. And then our next movement pattern is going to be your typical thrust or bridge pattern. So a thrust or bridge, this one I'm sure you guys are all familiar with obviously say a hip thrust or a cast glute bridge or a glute bridge from the floor. So obviously you can do a barbell hip thrust, you can do a Smith machine or a glute drive, etc. So by doing a thrusting pattern, we're also still extending the hip, but we're doing it obviously with our legs bent. So we're not doing it with a straight leg, we're bending the knee. And by performing the hip extension, the thrusting up with a bent leg, it decreases the hamstring recruitment, which basically allows for more glute focused. Then our next key movement pattern, what we want to be training if we want to be growing our glutes, and this is a big one, is the more knee dominant pattern. So I say knee dominant, but doesn't mean it's not glute. So a knee dominant or you could also say, say a squat pattern or a lunge. So when I say knee dominant, what this means is when you squat, for example, yes, your glutes are involved. So when you squat, you're doing actually two things. So your, your glutes are being trained because you're extending your hip, but your quads are also being trained in a squat because you're extending your knee. So your knee and hip are involved in a squat or a leg press or a lunge. So yes, these exercises are going to be quads and glutes, but training your quads is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. So these kind of patterns, think your squat, as I said, your lunge, your leg press, your hack squat. And with these patterns, you can make it more or less certain things. You know, if you want to get more glutes, something like a more forward leaning torso angle in a, something like a leg press obviously is a good thing. Or when you're doing a lunge, something like a reverse lunge, that's something we can get to later. But again, so we've got our hip hinge, we've got our thrust or bridge, we've got our more knee dominant, our squat or split squat or lunge pattern. So there are three main patterns, movement patterns that we really want 
for effective glute training workout, either in that session or at least over the course of the week. And then we have our fourth movement, which is going to be when we ab perform abduction. So abduction, so A, B, abduction is when we're basically taking our leg away from our body. So abduction can be, say, a straight leg cable, um, taking your leg out to the side or at a, like a 30 to 45 degree angle relative to your torso. It can be a seated hip abduction machine. It can be a banded abduction. So with abduction work, what we're going to be doing is training more of our, our glute medius muscle. So the glute medius sits like kind of more an upper outer side of our glutes above the glute max. And we're also going to be training when we do abduction, our upper more lateral glute max fibers. Okay. So this is why often you say, or you hear people say, you know, when you're doing abduction, it helps train the upper shelf um, portion of the glute. And that is where abduction will come into play. Now, really simple guys. If you want to have, you know, level one kind of program design, just the basics, basics, basics. And with program design, basics work really well for a lot of people is try and include one movement for each of these exercises. Do you have to do this every workout? No. So you could be saying do two on Monday and then two on Thursday, or you could be doing, you know, three days a week and you could do a couple each day. Or if you're more advanced, you could do all four on one workout but it doesn't necessarily mean it has to have a super glute bias. So for example, if we do a knee dominant exercise, so a squat, we could do a, say, a heels elevated squat. So we're prioritizing the quads there because we're going to elevate our heels to push our knees further forward, which means more stretch of the quads. But we're still getting some glute. But on that day, then you have a more hip hinge focused, glute focused work. So an RDL, you do a hip thrust and a cable abduction. So you got three glute dominant movements, but then you can still train that knee dominant movement, but it's going to be obviously more a bias to the quads over the glutes. Now, when it comes to putting this all together, you know, all right, cool. You, you train these movement patterns. What do you do? A big part of this is now just trying to choose an exercise and one or two exercises for each of these movement patterns. And then get really good at it. A big mistake people make is they go, all right, now I get this. Now every single session, I'm going to completely change each exercise for each category because there's so many different hip hinge variations. There's so many different squat, lunge, um, split squat variations. There's so many different squat and, um, sorry, thrust and abductions. When trying to build your glutes, remember, getting stronger is very much a skill. It's through repetition. Building muscle is very much through repetition of doing the basics well, eating more, taking sets close to failure with good technique and doing it over and over and over. A lot of this stuff just takes time, but it doesn't mean you have to pick and choose a hundred different exercises. You've got four different movement patterns there. If you choose, say, one or two exercises for each of those movement patterns and just stuck at them and got stronger over time, improved your technique over time, worked really hard and took those sets close to failure, combine that with, you know, eating more, you're going to be in a fantastic place to grow glutes. And that's the thing though, when I watch a lot of content on social media, it's just these endless and endless different 
variations. And in that one workout, the person will be doing about three or four different hip hinge movements. Then they'll do like four different, two or three different thrusts. And they'll do two or three different abduction movements in the one workout. And it's just this massive thing of overkill. And something that matters when we're trying to build muscle is choosing the right dosage for your training volume. And something that happens is people overdo stuff. And when we're trying to train to build muscle, we have what we call something like a, I guess you'd look at it like a diminishing returns. And when I say diminishing returns, what I mean by this is that once you pass a certain threshold of work, it can actually have a negative because you're just driving up fatigue, more fatigue, longer it takes to recover, more muscle damage. So you're feeling more sore, which again, can impact recovery and then performance in your next session. So a big part of building muscle is choosing, yes, enough volume to grow, but also the right amount of volume that you can then grow, but also recover well from. And when we're trying to build our glutes a big part of it is i want you to start thinking is you know if you're not using my methods which i hope you guys all are invest in because you'll learn all this stuff in detail but if you're doing this on your own try and not think always how much else can i add on sometimes the best thing you can do is start to take away and that's what i do with a lot of my clients who come to me and i've worked with a lot of really good people and but a lot of times they've come to me and their weakness was actually their glutes even though they trained it all the time they did huge amounts of volume and they were say a bikini competitor and their glutes were their weakness so instead of adding more they thought well do i need to do more volume do i need to do all these new exercises what what exercise am i not doing that i need to add the answer was actually not doing more it was actually doing less it was let's do less days let's do more quality working sets let's do less total exercises Let's just get really good at a couple exercises for each of these patterns and get stronger at them. And then let's just be patient and keep your calories up and focus on a less is more approach. And all of a sudden, well, not all of, sorry, I'll counter that. Not all of a sudden, over the next 24 weeks or so, their glutes finally started to grow because they did less, but they did more quality. They did less exercise, but they chose more, just good exercises. So they did less total work it allowed for more um, superior recovery. So sometimes guys, I think too often people think more, 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 what can I add in? Where in a lot of the times in life, you want to be like, well, actually, you know what, what can I take out? What can I subtract to allow me to get more out of what I'm doing? It's not always about doing more and more and more and adding on. Often you're doing more than you need to do. And to finally get the results you want it's just actually regressing a lot of the stuff that maybe doesn't need to be there to allow you to get more out of the good stuff so a lot of that excessive training volume can actually be masking the effectiveness of those good exercises so when trying to build a good glute workout try to think how can i nail each of these key movement patterns or good exercises but it doesn't mean I need to do five different variations of each of these movement patterns in the one week. Choose one to two good exercises for each movement pattern and do them well and stick at them. Just try to stick at them for four, eight, 12 weeks. You don't need to chop and change completely because that's often then what is going to actually hold you back from rapid progress. So guys, in order to have a create a good glute workout, think hip hinge, Think a knee dominant movement, think a thrust and also an abduction, and then try to choose one to two exercises for each of those movement patterns and get really, really good at them. Be consistent with them, stick at them, 
improve your technique, add a little bit of weight to the bar or machine or whatever you're doing um, slowly but surely. And you'll be surprised at how well you start to go when you start to just nail the basics, good exercises, hitting those key movement patterns instead of thinking always more and more and more, start thinking less, but more quality. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode and obviously talking a lot about glutes. A lot of this stuff I cover in detail in programs like my um, Your Glute Coach or Build the Bikini Body. So please go check out those on my website and I'm sure you will learn a lot and love them like thousands of people have used it. So guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please share. And if you haven't, please leave a five-star rating and a review um, and follow the podcast either on Spotify or Apple. Thanks so much, guys. Bye.